The following content has been rated for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in that. I showed emotion. You know what people said? See, you really can't get violent and angry. Welcome to The Squonk and the Hag, a podcast about murder, mystery, the supernatural, and even a conspiracy or two. Dun, dun, dun. My name is Mo. And I'm Kraken. Welcome on in, guys, to The Squonk and the Hag. <laughs> I give up already, and we just started. We're off to a great start. Yeah, I mean, when I go and get ready and I'm, like, taking a breath to do the intro and then I just hear escalator triangles, it's, it's really hard to write it back in. It's a little jarring. Just a little, just a tiny little bit. But uh, welcome on in. I am Mo. With me, as always, is Krekko. And today is a motel. So we're doing true crime this week. We're back at the motel motel. Heck yeah. But, uh, yeah, we don't have an announcements, right? I forgot to check with you on that one. Yeah, we're fine. This is fine. We do not. We're fine. This is fine. It's Who fine. needs announcements? All right. Well, then we can just dig right in. And I will say, I know a lot of times we try to, like, see how disturbing or how disturbed we can make the other person. And this one is in a different way. This one, it's not some crazy serial killer that murdered hundreds of people and, you know, ate their eyeballs or something like that. It's just, it's just so, it's a story where there's something really wrong with the situation. Like, once we get to the end, it'll all make sense. I feel like that's most stories, is there's something wrong with the situation, but it'll make sense in the end. Yeah, but it's just, it's, I, 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 before, without going too far into it, you know, no spoilers, but there's, there's a betrayal in this story that I still struggle to wrap my brain around. A twist. Sure. Yes. Yeah, it's a twist. It's a twist. When we're kids... <laughs> We tend to do really stupid stuff. Or if you're an adult like Krakow. And when we're kids, not like I'm still doing <laughs> yeah. it. But, you know, sneaking out of the house, doing dangerous things without thinking about it, worrying your parents sick. But sometimes those relatively hardless, hard, hardless, harmless, holy shit. Okay. They're relatively hardless. Sometimes those relatively harmless escapades. Yeah. So those harmless escapades of youth turned very dark. We're actually, it's not that far in the past, but it's its not a super recent case either. But we're going to go back to 1996. Good old 1900s. In a small town in West Virginia. Country roads, take me home. Welcome to the karaoke segment. So this was a time period when technology was booming. Uh, it's the first year that they logged more email being sent than postal mail. Personal internet and cell phones were now common. Even teenagers had cell phones and camera phones and things like that. 
Star City is a smaller town in northern West Virginia, not very far from the Pennsylvania border. And in 1996, Dave and Mary Niece welcomed their beautiful little girl Skylar into the world. She was raised in a very loving and happy home. Being an only child, she was just showered in love, and she was raised to be a really good person. In second grade, she met her best friend, Sheila Edie, and the two remained friends all the way into high school. This is going to be interesting because they're so far, the childhood is normal, so... So in 2010, Skylar and Sheila, the best friends, turned into a trio when they met another student named Rachel Schof. The three became inseparable. Uh, Skylar split her time very wisely, actually, between her friends, her studies, and her part-time job at Wendy's. She had a 4.0 grade, aver- grade point average and never missed a shift of work. By all accounts from family, schoolmates, and friends, Skylar was just happy and thriving. On July 5th of 2012, 16-year-old Skylar finished her shift at work and went home. She went up to her room as usual after saying hi to her parents, and they thought she just went to bed. But the next morning, the bed was never slept in. And the window screen was taken out of the window. They also found hidden in her, it was taken out of her closet, but like a little stool to help her get out of the window. And they didn't realize she figured out how to sneak out without getting noticed. (laughs) You just had the whole thing figured out. The stool and everything. Yeah, so it's something that she had been doing apparently for a while, going out and hanging out with friends when she was supposed to be home in bed. So, you know, finding her bed completely empty and unslept in in the morning, they were obviously worried. Her parents actually called the police, and because she was missing for less than 48 hours and there was no evidence of foul play they you know it doesn't look like she like there wasn't a ruckus in the room because she was abducted by some you know scary person or something uh the the police told her without evidence and without any knowledge that she was in danger they couldn't do anything until she was missing for 48 hours that was the law and that evening skylar missed work for the very first time now we have reason to be concerned yeah so, obviously, more and more concern is rising because this is abnormal behavior. She never came home. She missed work. She loved her job. She loved the money she got from her job. And there's a little more time. Time's passing. Time's passing. So, finally, her parents filed a missing person report because the time span had elapsed. Sheila, Skylar's best friend called her parents, Skylar's parents, and confessed that the girls had snuck out that night that she disappeared. Uh, Skylar snuck out of the house, and then the three of them drove around town. Just, I'm sure you've done stupid stuff like that when you were a teenager, where you literally don't go anywhere because you don't actually have money to do anything. You have money for, like, a tank of gas, and that's it, so you just drive around talking. 
I think the closest thing I did that was dumb was I forgot for a moment and I almost put tinfoil in the microwave. I wish I could say that I almost did that. I mean, I think from what I remember, the tinfoil was on the bowl and it was in the microwave, but like I realized before I turned it on. Oh, no, I had a a tinfoil wrapped potato that I put in the microwave one time without knowing it. And luckily, I didn't just hit the buttons and walk away. I like turn around, saw sparks and quick open the door. Why is Thor cooking my potato? Yeah, that was interesting, to say the least. They, you know, they were just driving around town, being silly girls, talking about boys and gossiping and stuff. Sheila, Sheila, Sheila said they dropped Skylar off at the end of the road so it would be easier for her to sneak back in without waking up her parents. You know, if all of a sudden there were headlights in the window and you heard a car engine running, you might wake up. Whereas here, Skylar could just quietly sneak back into the house. But like, was there was there not a way to like just wait at the end of the road where you could like see her walking to the house and, you know... From a distance, make sure she got home. Or, like, text me when you get inside. Yeah, something like that. Because then, if you did, if I didn't get the text, then you can tell them the next morning and they can start searching sooner. Or if you don't get the text, drive up to the house <laughs> and be like, yeah. Or that, too. Yeah, just go back to the house and then just wake everyone up and then start searching even sooner. Sheila said they picked Skylar up around 11 p.m. and dropped her off at midnight. Now, this gave the police a time frame to start looking at, looking at evidence, etc. There was a neighborhood security camera. I don't know if this was like a public closed circuit TV or if it was like a, a personal security camera. Like, I know ring doorbells weren't as big back then, but, you know, that type of a situation. But there was a security camera. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but, like, we don't have those around here, but, like, I have seen that some neighborhoods have, like, the neighborhood watch cameras. I don't know how those work. Yeah, I don't know. Um, All I know is that there was some sort of security camera that did catch her. Uh, It showed that those times were incorrect, which isn't necessarily suspicious because it's a teenage girl who is you know, Mm -hmm. scared and all that stuff. Uh, But it turns out that the car pulled up at 1230 and Skylar left the house, ran down the street and got in the car a couple minutes later. But everything else, you know, lined up with the story that they they picked her up, they left, etc., they they didn't really get any answers from this. All they did was get a confirmed time frame. Uh, A few days later is when the story hit the public. Uh, Dave and Mary were hoping maybe someone would come forward with leads or answers. Maybe somebody saw her, maybe did anything. I I mean, I can't imagine having your 16-year-old daughter just disappear. So they they just needed, they were searching for anything. They were um, also scouring the neighborhood with friends and family uh, including Sheila, the, and I believe Rachel took part too, because uh, there, you know, it's like a suburban area, but like there were some woods, there were you know some other things, so they the were just searching around. for her. 
Yeah, they were searching to see if maybe she fell and got hurt or, you know, anything could have happened. Yeah. But Skylar just disappeared. You're probably going to answer this later on, but did the camera just shut off after she got in the car and left? Did it not pick up anything else? Um, I didn't see any information about what happened to the camera, um, or but I know they didn't get her coming home. Because that's interesting, because, like, did they drop her off just out of view of the camera? But, I don't know, this is... I think they dropped her off at a different place than she was picked up. Fair enough. Now weeks pass and there's no progress. The police with no evidence, no information, uh, they just kind of went with status quo and they're like, she most likely scenario, she went to a party somewhere and overdosed and nobody knew what to do with the body and, you know, she was a Jane Doe somewhere or no one found her yet. And her parents didn't agree with that. Like, they knew their daughter. She wasn't the type of person who would just go off to a party like that by herself. It just, it was, it was odd. Yeah. It, it didn't make sense for her. So, something's not right here. Yeah, something not here, right here. Also, it, like, do they just bring it up, just blurt it out like that? They're just like, well, we don't know what happened, but probably went to a party and just overdosed somewhere. Like, oh, I think it, I think it took, I mean, this, it took weeks for them to come to that. And uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't just walk up to two terrified parents saying, yeah, she probably just OD'd, it's fine. Like, that is not how you do that at all. Yeah, that's... No, um, I should never talk to the family of a missing or um, killed person. Yeah, don't ever send me. Yeah, no. Because I will make it awkward and awful, and I will probably cry. That's fair. You just come... It, it, it's not really a reassuring feeling when the detective comes back and, and they're sobbing, saying they don't know what happened. <laughs> I saw the body and it was really scary. There was a man, he had a knife, and I ran. Yeah. I just wanted it to be like the movies. See, this is why I could never, like... As interested as I am in a crime and stuff like that, I could never be a police officer. For many minutes. No, there's too much math involved. There's a lot of math. I have asthma, um, poor eyesight. Like, there's there's a lot of things going against me, and I would freak out. I feel like going through the pepper spray qualification also would not be fun with asthma. No. No, I struggle being around like campfires or if someone is smoking within a city block. Like I'm super sensitive to to smoke. And uh, I actually, before I was actually diagnosed with asthma, I didn't know what the issue was, but I 
had reoccurring nightmares where someone would pin me to the ground and force me to smoke a cigarette. And I would just be very specific. Yeah. And I would just be gasping for air trying because I couldn't breathe because it was like inhaling chalk. And then I would wake up gasping. And here it was me having an asthma attack while I was asleep. Yeah, no, that's that's not fun. Yeah. So um, that's why I have never smoked anything in my life, because I these dreams uh, terrify me. And now uh, it's a good thing to not do, but yeah, but but now whenever you feel like you can't breathe in your sleep, you wake up and it's just a chunky cat. <laughs> Han, I don't understand why, but Han loves to sleep on people's chests when they're asleep. Fair enough. I know. One time, one time, Chris, he was like, I guess, in a really deep sleep, and he he felt pressure on his chest, mm-hmm. and he started like groggily waking up, and he was like, "Oh my god, am I having a heart attack?" And then he heard snoring, and he looked down, <laughs> and Han was just passed out on his chest. Perfect. Who need who needs weighted blankets when you just have chunky cats? It's true. Oh, yeah, it's true. And like, I don't know why I won the lottery of being cuddled with at night. And I will have Biggs curled up behind my because I like to sleep on my side. He'll curl up behind my knees, wedged like basically if I was upright, it would be on my lap, but like curled in the front bend there, like at like the bottom of my stomach and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then Mara lays on my feet. So I literally cannot move the lower half of my body because the blanket is unpinned underneath them. So it is literally, I'm like mummified from the waist down. You don't need to get up. It's fine. And then they get mad at me if I have to get up and pee. Because I'm a, I'm the monster. Exactly. Why, why would you get up and disturb their sleep? They were perfectly fine. <laughs> they only sleep 20 hours a day. It's fine. You interrupted the sleep after the pre-sleep naps. Like, you threw off the rhythm. Well, actually, we are going to be in trouble tonight because it has been raining all day. And uh, it actually, I I texted or messaged you not long before we started recording that we had a huge thunderstorm. (laughs) But it has been just dreary and raining all day. And all they have done is slept all day, which means that when it comes time for bed tonight... They are going to be rambunctious and they are going to be running up and down the stairs. And like we have wooden stairs. 3 a.m. zoomies. Uh, before 3 a.m. though. And it will be a lot longer because usually like they, they zoom for 15 minutes and then they're done because they're getting older. Um, but on nights like this, it will just go and go. And so we have like carpet in a lot of the house, but our steps are wood. <laughs> so you just hear that was like the horse races yeah pretty much pretty much (sighs) and then of course they'll start fighting and wrestling and then you know god forbid they wrestle on the floor they have to wrestle on top of me while i'm trying to sleep because i don't have to work in the morning well see the floor is like an open field and it's just terrain and it's like it's it's even terrain they need like mountains and like hills to climb on they, they need like a challenge someone needs to get to higher ground exactly <sighs> it's a king of the hill battle 
Ugh. And also they fight because how dare Han breathe in the presence of the princess. It's fair. He did that earlier. Did, did he get slapped? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she she wanted dinner an hour early tonight. And uh, Han walks in and just sits down, just quietly sits there next to her. Also looking up, but quiet. Didn't say anything, didn't look at her, just sat next to her. And she... Meow, meow. And then just turned to the side and just attacked him. <laughs> Mara's like, how dare you not help me ask for food? <laughs> They're we're, insane. Because of they... you, we're going to starve. Well, they did end up getting fed half an hour early just because they were being so obnoxious. I'm an enabler. That's fair. So let's enable this story that makes no sense, but I was trying to think of a segue and I, I got nothing. It was fine. It was fine. I stole all the segues. You did. <laughs> now I just imagine your garage is full of segues. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> just like, go over to your house and you have 20 segues. <laughs> it's, it's like, is it like those rental bikes, the electric rental bikes? <laughs> I just have a bunch of those. The government doesn't want you to know this, but the rental equipment is free. You can just take them home. Oh, crackle. By the way, you want to buy a bike? <laughs> Do I have to put a quarter in it every time I want to ride it? No, but it may, it may lock up on you from time to time. Back to the story. Police had theories and ideas, but... Again, no proof. They had absolutely no evidence about any of their theories whatsoever. So they interviewed the last two people that are known to have seen her alive, which are Sheila and Rachel. One of the detectives on the case has gone on the record stating that their behavior during these interviews was odd, to say the least. She said that... Sheila was just, quote unquote, completely blank on emotions. So this is her best friend is missing and has been missing for weeks. And she just no emotion whatsoever. On one hand, this is a bad thing. But on the other hand, my brain, this is why I wouldn't be a good detective, because my brain would just be like, ah, oh, they're so, you know, stricken with grief that they're just kind of shutting down. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing here. And then that's yeah. where I would have lost the case. <laughs> well, possibly. I mean, you do have a point because people people deal with traumatic events differently. And some people just shut down. Uh, but Rachel was the opposite. She was incredibly nervous. And then that's, you know, both of those things are a little suspicious. But what really flew the red flag was that both the girls' stories were identical to being almost verbatim. That may seem like a good thing. It's like, oh, they must be telling the truth if they're exactly the same. Except, no. An another reason why you don't want me being a detective is because they would get really tired of my jokes very quickly and I would get fired, probably. I mean, I'm still here. I mean... I've been dealing with your jokes for years. 
I mean, if you had to work with me as a detective and like I came back from interviewing a suspect and I was like, suspect number one, possibly shutting down. They're not showing emotions. That's a little odd. But the other one was being very sus for real, for real. No cap. Um, I think they did it. See, I just imagine you being inside. It's probably at night taking off a pair of sunglasses and <laughs> the CSI Miami. Exactly that too. I've got I've got the button like on my on my phone in my pocket, and I just press the button when I take the sunglasses off. <laughs> and the worst part is I do it every time I take sunglasses off. And you like take your sunglasses off, and you're still wearing a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would. The first pair is like cardboard that because it fit over the other the real sunglasses better. And they aren't they aren't even sunglasses. They're they're uh, safety goggles I got from the gas station and just sharpie black. You know, gas stations sell sunglasses, right? Yeah, but you act like I would go for the the thing that like I need and not just try to make it myself. Okay, fair. I can't judge you because I... Chris was actually talking about this the other day. So, you know this. I was like, I want to I learn how to play D&D. I want to play D&D. This is going to be fun and everything. This was months ago. And... Me saying the phrase, I want to learn how to play D&D, has spiraled so far out of control that I am building my own terrain, I am casting my own resin dice, I am just like, yeah, I am DMing now, I have a book of, you know, monsters and encounters and, like, all this stuff... And I, yeah, I, I learned to paint minifigures. I learned to cut styrofoam to make it look like rocks. Like, I've just, yeah. We went very quickly from, I want to play D&D, too. I have dice molds, and I'm making my own dice and landscape terrain with out of foam and dollar store materials, and I'm, I'm making my own dungeons. Yeah, I am. Uh, actually... So I started out with toothpicks and popsicle sticks, but there's a guy on YouTube, Boilai Hobby Time. Actually, you sent him to me. Um, yes. He actually linked, he has a, it's not an Amazon store. He's not selling this stuff, but it's just a list of his like favorite materials. And yeah. there are these um, one eighth inch by one eighth inch square balsa wood strips. They're like, I think a foot long or something like. Yeah, balsa wood is popular because it's so soft. Yeah, well, and it's like the perfect size because like the popsicle sticks were too wide and the the toothpicks were. So like I use all three, but there were certain situations where I needed something like in between the two. Mm -hmm. And these are perfect. And yes, balsa wood is very easy to cut. But honestly, though, like on a serious note, I, I'm impressed because like the stuff looks really good. And I feel like it hasn't been that long since you said I want a DM. And now you have like really good quality tabletop stuff, dice and minifigs. And I'm just like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> How did we get here? Oh, thanks. Well, I was actually so I guess we we've gone from true crime to Mel's story time. Um, I actually I just realized I call it so. In real life, a lot of people know this. My name is Melissa. I go by Mel. Um, I also go by Mo. So Mel is Mo. Mo is Mel. Let's continue, Melissa. 
so so yeah one of the things that i have really found enjoyment so i have been doing crafts since i was a small child uh my mom she i was the only creative child of hers and she latched onto that at an early age she's like you are learning all the crafts my child and um like i i learned to cross stitch when i was four uh, I used the sewing machine for the first time when I was like six or seven. I had, I, I learned to paint. I learned to sculpt. I learned pretty much everything you can buy at a craft store. I have tried. So I have this huge arsenal of techniques and experience and things like that. So I can knit, I can crochet, I can paint, I can sculpt, I can, you know, do all these things. I'm not like fantastic at all of them, but I'm decent at a lot of them and this has kind of come into a culmination of i can use all these things i know how to manipulate fabric i know how to use a hot glue gun i that's fair <laughs> i burnt myself really bad with a hot glue gun recently um but like i'm taking all these skills and i'm making these these terrain pieces and things like that and what's great about them is you know i've done all these crafts and like maybe i would make you know like i made my dad a an eyeglass case when I was a kid that he still uses. It's this horrible yellow thing and in green I embroidered daddy's glasses on it and he still uses it for his work glasses and this thing is filthy and disgusting and he will never get rid of it. But like, you know, there's a couple things like that but mostly I would just like make stuff to make stuff because I'm I need to be doing something at all times. Like I have the attention span of a three-year-old if I don't have a project. Hey, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm doing these terrain pieces and they're not like, yes, I get joy from creating them. I absolutely get joy from creating them, but it's not just that. Like, then I take to the table and we create these stories and experiences within them. And like uh, Jeremy and Dallas were like taking photographs and Chris is all like, oh, my God, this is so cute. So it's like. You know, I'm getting like this, you know, a lot of people turn to social media for validation, but I'm actually getting it in person and it means something. It's not like how many likes do I get? It's how it's... much do they love it? And like, that's really been making this, turning this into a, a more than just a, you know, hobby for me. It's, it's turning into something for, for everyone. And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like we said, from this, I've learned to cast resin. I <laughs> now know how to... Um... And casting resin is not very easy. No, I really want to get a pressure pot, but I also don't really want to pay the money for one. So I'm trying to figure out <laughs> things that I can cast without those. <laughs> That's another story. Um, um I have a... Uh, this is completely off topic, but I have a website that I need to send you that... Uh, I don't know if they have one of these places near you, but they sell all kinds of like resin, every type of resin you can imagine from sculpture making to repairing boats. So, um, actually one of the clients at work sells the boat repair stuff. And apparently it's really good for casting and like the, the wooden tables and stuff that you do. Yeah, That's what a lot of people use for resin stuff is the just boat resin, the boat stuff. Yeah. Apparently the boat stuff's like ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, so I love how you're like to get off topic and I'm like, we are so far off topic. I don't know if we can find our way back, but, um, 
Yeah. But yeah, I actually, uh, one of the things I did before the call, because it only took a few minutes, is I I got polymer clay, which you, you bake in the oven. And then I got silicone putty that it's a two-part mixture, kind of like resin. And when you mix the two together, you can cast your own molds without having, like, usually to cast a silicone mold, you have to have, like, an uh, a liquid-proof airtight like little thing and then you pour the liquid in it and all that stuff this it's it's like silly putty and then you can like put it on and then you can make silicone molds out of it so i sculpted nice. these flowers and then i'm gonna make a mold out of it and see if i can cast resin flowers out of it oh yes where were we all right the story it's like we have a podcast or something this is fine this is fine and anyone wondering, this is what it's like every time when I talk, whether or not we're on the podcast. Hi, I'm calling for help with my computer. <laughs> Ten minutes later, we're talking about UFOs. Um, <clears throat> yeah, maybe that's how we should start the call. Maybe we'll just like start it completely off topic and then maybe the story will become the tangent. We should try that next time. All right, so back to... This huge red flag. And this is like a huge, huge part of the story, too. So both girls' stories... Leave it off my finger. Both girls' stories were identical. And the reason this is a problem is that memory and perception are not the same for any two people on the planet. You ha can have two individuals witness the exact same event at the exact same time. But you're going to get slightly different stories and different mannerisms to telling them, different orders that you're going to talk about it, different, you know, cadences uh, and everything like that. You're not going to have two people telling the exact same story. Uh, it's a, a really great example from my professional career of how perception changes from person to person is there was a study done and they had 50 shades of red, uh, like in a, a grid. And they told people, pick out Coca-Cola red because like, everybody knows what a Coke can looks like or a Coke label. Like it's that bright mm -hmm. red with white text. And they said, pick. And obviously they didn't have colorblind people do it because that would just be cruel. Um, but they said, pick Coca-Cola red and no two people picked the same color. Fair enough. Because, because perception is different with everybody. Uh, it could be how good your eyesight is, how good your color receptors are. Um, you know, what angle were you? Because, like, two people can't occupy the exact same space at the exact same time. So you're going to be viewing something from different angles. You're going to be doing... There's all these different factors that come into it. So to have two people say, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, was bizarre and suspicious. So basically a well-known thing is that if two suspects have identical stories like this, it is a very good indication that they are lying about something. So mentioning the Coca-Cola red that uh, I have a question, um, you being a graphic designer and all, how much would it hurt you if I said, what if all companies just went to as minimalist as possible with their logos like for mcdonald's their logo now is just a yellow circle and a red circle because if you put those two colors together you think of mcdonald's most people do 
So, <clears throat> I don't think you realize the uh, rabbit hole you just dug here, sir. Uh, one oh, no. <laughs> Wait, let me out. Let me out. <laughs> no, one of the things with uh, logo design is that, like, one of the key rules uh, that actually, not all designers are taught, but a lot of designers are taught, is that you should not be able to superimpose your logo from one company to another and still have it make perfect sense. A really great example is Kodak Film and Nationwide Insurance. Uh, they might have, one or the other might have changed their logos nowadays, but back in the day, the Nationwide logo looked like a Polaroid picture, not Kodak, Polaroid. It looked like a Polaroid picture. So you could literally change the Nationwide word to Polaroid and it would make sense for the company. So you want something that's going to make you realize, oh, that's what this company does. So if you're a landscaping company, it doesn't make sense to have a fish in your logo. <laughs> I mean, it's just let's just start a company instead of putting in our logo the things that we do. Let's just put the things that we like. <laughs> it's kitty cats and rainbows, and we're a bounty hunter agency. <laughs> Honestly, that would be hilarious. In the uniforms, it's all tactical gear, but instead of black, it's bright pink. Yes, I'm on board with this. The Peppa Pig DP06 Flip and Learn Taser. Now I need to figure out how to make you a Flip and Learn Taser. I mean, I have the phone. I can figure it out. <laughs> oh, oh, no. You're going to take apart that phone I bought you. But yeah, so with logos, minimalism is fine as long as it still makes sense. So having a red dot and a yellow dot might not make sense. But you have noticed that over the years, everybody has figured out what the McDonald's golden arches are like that has because it is has such brand recognition you have the double arches so a lot of things they no longer put the word mcdonald's they just put the golden arches on it fair enough see i killed the conversation yeah go me now i'm hung up on peppa pig ppo6 flip and learn let's, taser. let's change the words here scroll around and find out taser see that okay circling back to the whole thing about me not being able to cop me not being able to cop me not being able to be a cop I wouldn't be able to pass the taser thing. I I I would I would not be able to do that. Yeah, it don't look like fun. Yeah, I I I don't know if you ever saw the thing where there was a little girl and her make a wish wish was to tase a cop. I mean, honestly, if I requested it, like that, like my local police department would probably let me for the training. Hmm. Yeah, like I could probably shoot a taser, but I couldn't be tased. Yeah, no, no, no. Especially knowingly. Now, a lot of people would probably pay good money to see me get tased, but... I'm one of them, yes. No. But yeah, I would pay good money to tase you. All right, well, I will see if I can sign up to get tased. I'll film it, and then uh, I, I will be like, all right, I'm selling pay-per-view tickets. Who wants to see it? The girls were lying. They were lying about something. Nobody knew what they were lying about. And this prompted police to start digging deeper into Skylar's two best friends. They looked through more CCTV and they went through phone records, social media, all that kind of stuff. I mean, this is in the age of texting. So there was tons of text messages. There were DMs and, you know, Facebook messages, all that stuff. And they could tell the girls had a secret, but they couldn't figure out what it was. 
The investigators went to Skylar's parents and they, they sat down and they're like, you know, it seems like the girls are hiding something. I don't know if they know what happens, if they, you know, have any information, but they're, they have a secret, they're hiding it. Uh, we, we don't know what to do. And Dave and Mary were still in close contact with them and they started pressuring the girls for information in December of 2012, Rachel had a breakdown and she was admitted to a psychiatric hospital. They believe it was from the pressure because, again, when she was being interviewed, she was incredibly nervous. And now she has Skylar's parents trying to find out what's going on. And she just broke down. It's just it's just that sense of they know, they know, they know I did something. Yeah. So when she was a re when she was released on January 3rd, 2013, she confessed to her attorney. This sentence is something I never thought I would say in a case. But Rachel and Sheila started their plans in science class. Oh, okay. What what did they plan? Please tell me it was just, you know, fun night out. Well, their plan is that they were going to drive out to a remote location with Skylar under the premise of just smoking some weed and having a good time. Then, while her guard was down, they were going to stab her and leave the body. Then they could just return home like nothing happened. Uh, but why? That's a very good question. This was their plan. And the two girls filled the trunk with something that was later termed a murder kit. They had knives, shovels, clean clothes, towels, bleach, and they followed their plan. Uh, they murdered Skylar in a remote wooded area. I believe it was right over the Pennsylvania border. Now, this is where plans changed a little bit. They had taken shovels because they were going to bury the body, but the ground was rocky and difficult to dig and these are teenage girls they're not exactly uh the mountain from game of thrones so they couldn't get the ground dug up they just didn't have the strength to do it so instead they drug her into the brush and covered the body in branches and leaves um, and that's when they went home like nothing happened i don't i don't understand how someone could do something like that like that's you, you not only do you do that, but then you help them look for the person you murdered. Exactly. Yeah, like, I know we joke all the time. I'm like, Krakow, I could kill you. I would never. Like, you are my best friend. Yeah. Like, I know. And honestly, it just uh, kind of reminds me of Bailey Sarian's story this week was about a mom who she killed both of her husbands and then tried to kill her one daughter and tried to frame her daughter for all the murders. Like, I don't understand how people can do this stuff. Like, how, how, especially to someone, like, it's so crazy because, like, you, when you have, like, a serial killer who is abducting and killing strangers, it's like, how could you just go and kill someone you don't know? But then when you hear of people betraying those closest to them and murdering them it's like how could you kill somebody you know like that exactly 
It's one thing to kill someone, that's bad enough, but then, like, someone you're close with is even worse. Somehow. Yeah, and like you said, they helped her parents look for Skylar. Yeah, that that's... That's messed up. From zero to 100, real quick. Well, I told you, it was a different kind of disturbing this week. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Yeah, well, after the confession, because now police knew, Sheila's Twitter history came to light with some very odd messages, like, quote, we really did go on three. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one. No one on this earth can handle me. And Rachel, if you think you can, you're wrong. So were those two friends and then Skylar just was the third that showed up, I'm, I'm guessing? No, Sheila uh, and Skylar were friends from second grade. Uh, and yes. they met yeah. they met Rachel in high school. It's odd. Rachel turned herself into authorities and pled to second degree murder. She was sentenced to 30 years in prison and is was eligible for parole, parole in 10 years, which actually took her to this year. While in prison, she got married to a fellow inmate and there was an odd story. I think it, I, I read a bunch of stories lately, but I think this is the one where their wedding cake was a Twinkie from the vending machine. In her first parole hearing, which was May of this year, is when the motive finally came out. For 10 years, Rachel and Sheila refused to tell. But finally, Rachel just was like, no, you need, to, yeah, I, I, I can't. So what happened was at the time of the murder, Rachel and Sheila had begun dating. And this caused a ripple in the friendship you know, they would break plans. There were some lies. There was a whole new dy dynamic to the, the three of them. And that's why they decided to kill Skylar. I don't... No. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 That would basically be like, uh, when you and Bobo started dating, you killed me. That just makes no sense at all. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't, I, I, I really don't understand it at all. Like, I've heard some really stupid motives in cases and things like that. But this one, especially the level of betrayal. With, with murder cases, like mostly, most of the time, the reasoning is kind of dumb, but. Fair. But yeah, to, to completely betray someone like that. Yeah for such a stupid reason it's really messed up but uh that patrol patrol oh lord am i having a stroke probably uh that parole hearing <laughs> that parole hearing ended up in a denial so she is still in prison uh but she she is still eligible for parole so she will continue to have parole hearings uh sheila on the other hand was apprehended. She did not turn herself in. She was apprehended in a restaurant parking lot and then was indicted on kidnapping, first-degree murder, and conspiracy to commit murder. Uh, both girls were tried as adults, 
uh, because of the you know the crime, even though they were only sixteen, Sheila was sentenced to, and I put this in quotes, life in prison with mercy. And what this meant is, due to her age, uh, it wasn't a life in prison without possibility parole. So she will be eligible for parole in 2028, which is 15 years after the start of her incarceration. Uh, That's not saying she will get parole then, but that's when she will be eligible for parole. So she does have life in prison, but depending on her and how she changes and all stuff like that, she may be paroled someday. Yeah, I was going to say, life in prison with mercy, that one, that one's a new one. I don't think I'd heard that one. Well, I do know, I believe it was... It actually might have been right around the time of this. The Supreme Court passed some rulings that if someone is below a certain age, like if someone is 16 and tried and is an adult, they can't be they can't be sent to life in prison without parole. It is just because of their age. You know, you think if someone is 30 and gets life in prison without parole, they may serve 70 years. If someone's 16, we're talking 80 something years, 90 something years. So it's um, it's just been especially. Yeah, especially since teenagers, you're not fully developed. Your your brain chemistry is all over the place. So it that was a Supreme Court. Thing. Your brain's still a little mushy. I mean, your brain is, sure. Uh, yes. But yeah, so... It never fully developed. It's fine. <laughs> There's only half, like, one side of it's in there. But, uh, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. It, um, the, that's the Supreme Court ruling, but that also doesn't mean that they will get parole. It's just that they're eligible to go through parole hearings and things like that. So, that's not the end of the story. Oh, there's more. But wait, there's more. Uh, no, so that is the end of the 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 murder story. But this case had a legal effect on the state of West Virginia. So the federal regulation for an Amber Alert requires specific criteria. Child is believed to be abducted. Child is under 18. Child, child may be in danger of death or injury. And the one that really screwed them in this case is there is sufficient evidence to issue an alert. So they could not issue an Amber Alert for Skylar because there was not sufficient evidence. Uh, You know, in Skylar's case, it was just concerned parents and they knew something was wrong, but gut feeling doesn't, you know. It's not, it's not proof. Fit the law. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's when they needed to follow normal procedure of a missing teenager. And that meant that she had to be missing for more than 48 hours. So in 2013, West Virginia passed Schuyler's Law, which allows the immediate issue of public announcements when any child is reported missing or in danger. So even if they don't have sufficient evidence, but the parents believe something is wrong or whoever is filing the alert believes that something is wrong, there will be public announcements very similar to an Amber Alert about the missing child. That's good. So that is fully in effect in law in West Virginia. It did go, uh, a bill with the same 
exact same legislation went to a federal level. It was submitted to Congress in 2017, but there has not been made any progress made on that yet. It hasn't been denied, but so far it has just been submitted. That's as far as it's gotten. Fair enough. So it it is a horrible tragedy, but... Yeah, ho- hopefully not. Hopefully that would help things. Yeah, and sadly, this one, even if they had been able to issue something the next morning, it wouldn't have mattered. But there are cases yeah. where, you know, if she had been abducted instead of murdered, maybe she could have been found. Yeah, if, if the case had been different, you know, if it was, like you said, yeah. it might have helped a bit to start searching sooner. Yeah. But... That is the story. The scory. That is the story of Skylar Niece. Yeah, you were right. There was a twist, and it was disturbing, but in a different way. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Dang. It wasn't body horror. It wasn't outlandish or crazy. It was just how horrible people really can be. Yeah. I know that there have been like I I was reading some things now it is not an official diagnosis, but people say that uh, Sheila's behavior, lack of remorse, um, all that stuff, uh, she, it seems like she is possibly borderline psychopath. But she, like, they they wonder, because she was completely devoid of emotion during interviews, and she's still that way when people, when she's interviewed or, you know, police go back and talk to her or anything like that. I think that's a psychopath. Because it's because that has something to do with, like, they don't understand human emotions. They just mimic what other they see and because mm-hmm. their brains yeah. can't feel that emotion. Yeah. So they're like, oh, when people are sad, they make this face. Yeah. So people think she's a psychopath. I mean, I would believe it. Whereas Rachel just kind of got roped into it. Like, obviously, what Rachel did is still awful. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving her a pass or anything, but I'm not calling Rachel a psychopath. They got drug into something that uh, they shouldn't have. Yeah, like, if she had never met Sheila, I don't know if she ever would have committed murder. Yeah, I don't think so. The way you said one of them was nervous and the other one wasn't, I think that kind of says it there, but... Who knows? But yes, there we go. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Thanks. Hey, Cracko, guess who never murdered you? Me. Thanks. You're welcome. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, we, we appreciate each and every one of you. You are the light of our lives. Yes, and there's always vacancy for you all at the motel motel. Heck yeah. It's it's not a murder motel, I promise. As always, be sure sure to check out our website for all of the show notes, sources, and more information at thesquonkandthehag.com. And we would also love and appreciate your support by either leaving a review on iTunes or through small monthly donations using the viewer support link in the description. And if you don't subscribe, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast network to get notified of new episodes every Thursday. All right, Krakow, you ready? Okay, bye.